Just how much more will Kenny Pickett be allowed to do in the Steelers offense? We answer that question here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, with Alan Saunders from SteelersNow.com. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast first, your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And we're joined by Alan Saunders from SteelersNow.com. He's our man we have on here every week. Alan, it's great to have you on, man. Uh, Real quick question here before we get started on this main topic. We know we're talking about Kenny Pickett to lead off here. But, of course, everyone knows I stole Kenny Pickett's car. And uh, apparently you got to go to my hearing. Uh, how did that go? On, well, you uh, weren't on- there. So, I mean, <laughs> the hell? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it's, uh, it, it seems like there's um, a defense in the works here. They postponed the hearing for some psychological and drug and alcohol evaluations. And That's so, me. uh, it seems like, uh, yeah, it seems like we may have some kind of explanation here for this bizarre story. I still, I need to know why you did it, Chris, but I will, I will get that. I'll get that out of you at a later date. There you go. Well, you, you can bring me on your show and we can talk about this. And well, let's, well, I mean, I think you really were just very curious about how much Kenny Pickett was going to be involved in the offense this year, how much his role good. was going to expand. And you were like, if I could just get my hands on that playbook, this episode of this podcast would be a lot better. Fire. That's what I'm and talking there you go. about right there. So for for those who might not remember or know, the guy who stole Kenny Pickett's car last month was named Christopher Carter. And it was a great joke that we are still running with here on the Locked on Steelers podcast and throughout all of Pittsburgh media. So anyways, let's get to this point here, though, because what I do expect out of Kenny Pickett's expanded role in this offense last year, we saw a lot of times where Kenny Pickett was checking down, was work, was not attacking the middle part of the field, things that everyone was saying, Matt Canada, you're stupid, you're ridiculous, why can't you do this part of the offense? And you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but I think that was part of the situation they wanted to deal with with the Steelers' offense because they, were, they had a rookie quarterback, an offensive line they didn't trust just yet, and an offense that didn't have an identity, and that was a huge part of the problem there. And they had a defense that knew exactly what they wanted to do and how they wanted to win once T.J. Watt got back on the field. So I I anticipate Kenny Pickett, he's not going to throw like 500 passes or nothing like that this year. He may probably only going to throw 400 passes. But I do expect Kenny Pickett to come out and be able to have the run, the, the control of the offense to take the shots when he wants to and how he wants to in this offense and get more of a, a chance to say, hey, we're getting aggressive on this drive when I say so. Maybe not, and that won't happen like every drive in, in a game, but I think, you know, critical points in the second quarter, if the Steelers are down by 10 or something, he might, he might be given a little bit of leeway to say like, hey, uh, Mike, Matt, Let's switch this up a little bit. Is that something you anticipate this year, or do you think that's still something that, that, that might be a year or two off or even further off uh, to give him that kind of uh, rate, those kind of reins for the offense? I'm not sure we're going to see that. Um, I'm not sure that's really in sort of Matt Canada's ideal offense right now. I, I don't think they're even really working towards that. What I do mm-hmm. think we're going to see is 
more risk taking from the from the passing offense if they earn it. Like I think the first thing you said there was the most like they had an offensive line they didn't trust, and Kenny Pickett turned the ball over. I mean, yeah. he had nine interceptions. Uh, I think he fumbled the ball four or five more times in addition to that. Um, I'm not sure how many he lost, but like there were turnovers. And you know, if you're not going to have an explosive offense, and I think it's fair that even if they tried really hard, they probably were not going to have an explosive offense last year. They have to minimize turnovers. You can't. You you, ha, you can if you're Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow and you're going to throw for 500 yards, you can turn the ball over some. The Steelers did it when they had Ben Roethlisberger. Some of yeah. his most productive passing yard games were the games where he had multiple interceptions. If you go back and look at his stats, you know, four five hundred yards and four picks like that. That wasn't an uncommon stat line. They don't. They're not going to do that now, and they so they can't afford the interceptions, and so they were risk averse. And if you think about, you know, the places where there are the easiest completions, the safest throws to make, those are the flats. Those are the sidelines. You know, the farther you get from the sideline, the lower the uh, incompletion percentage comes up and the higher uh, the interception rate comes up. And so I just think that this was an offense that did not trust itself to not turn the ball over. I think better protection for Kenny Pickett is the start of that. And I think the natural maturation of him as a reader of defenses and someone that has a stronger and firmer command of the offense will allow them to take some more risks. And then the other thing, a more efficient offense in general running the ball will mm -hmm. put them in better down and distance situations to take chances. You know, it is, you know, throwing over the middle on first and 10 is difficult, right? Throwing over the middle on play action on second and one is easy, right? Yeah. You know, like that, but they weren't getting into those down and distance situations where they were able to take more risks. And so I feel like there was a number of factors there all sort of working towards keeping this offense uh, as basic and as turnover free as possible. Yeah, I think that's definitely part a huge part of what was happening last year, uh, and, and like an obvious part of part of their winning. You know, they when Kenny Pickett was throwing interceptions, they were losing. When he wasn't throwing interceptions, they were winning. It was kind of that clear. And in fact, one of the few games they lost, and they lost two games in the second half of the season. Uh, one was you know the the Ravens game when they threw three interceptions. Uh, you know, and that was when Mitch Trubisky did it uh and the other game you know Kenny Pickett they didn't turn the ball over against against the Bengals but um you know you know that was but that was the game they scored 30 points and that's really the one you can kind of circle as saying exactly. hey the offense did their job this time even though they lost mm -hmm. right exactly and I think that's where it's like if if, if they follow the formula they'll get the occasional boom in offense but you can rely upon more them not crushing you and and you being able to get the win from other from other means, then more so that you can rely upon that because there were only two times with the last year where they scored twenty eight points or more, and it was the loss to the Bengals and the the season finale against the Browns when they scored twenty eight uh, and, be, and beat them twenty eight fourteen. And I think again, you're you're talking about the formula there that that's how they were able to win. Uh, they were one and one in those games. They were what six and one in the other seven uh in in the air six i think maybe five and one in the other seven or other six there in that stretch there but alan i, I think part of this is also going to be you know I, I do i do think that kenny pickett's not going to be given the full reins of this offense ben roethlisberger didn't have the full reins of the offense until like maybe like the 2010s of his career and, and is, i think did not ever have it with matt canada as the offensive coordinator i mean definitely i think he didn't yeah 
I think that was definitely a talking point. And so I don't think we're going to see that from Kenny. I'm also just not sure that that is, you know, I think outside of the guys that are at the top tier talent wise, like, I just, I don't think you're going to, I don't, uh, that has become less and less common as the years have gone on um, where, you know, it used to be every quarterback called all the plays. And then, you know, we've kind of progressed to the point where really it's just like the very upper level guys have some freedom and everybody else kind of does what they're told. I hear you on that. I think certain guys get leeway, you know, Troy Polamalu was allowed to do what he would do. Whatever right. he yeah, wanted. Exactly. Because he's Troy Polamalu. Not everybody got to do that. And in fact, like Ryan Clark even recalls, like at times he was just like, you know, when Troy was doing stuff, we were just like, that's Troy doing stuff. And I think Mika Fitzpatrick, not to the full level of Troy Polamalu, but he gets a lot of leeway in the defense in being able to, to do what he thinks is right for, for, for a system, just like James Harrison got to. That's how he got the in, the pick six in the Super Bowl. That's how he got a, uh, an intercept. I think he got a sack, excuse me, in the in the Dolphins playoff game that, where they, that they won. Yeah, I mean, there's like a, a a variation there, right? Like this one thing to say, hey, you know, I, I'm going to go to my second read first because I saw this, right? Where he's not exactly following the script of the play, but like, oh, you know, Deontay told me he can kill this guy. He's a backup. Mm -hmm. I know he's not the first read, but I'm just going right to him. Okay, fine. Like that, like that's reasonable. But to the point where like, deciding run pass or actually like changing out of plays wholesale like mm -hmm. that's probably not coming I, I don't think i do think it was a little bit over said like the hot route debate last year where pat farmer said they didn't have them and they very clearly do have them they just don't have what they had from ben larthusberger where he would actually have a signal to change each receiver's route and say hey i want you to do this and hey i want you to do that and you're like, Kenny Pickett is not getting that level of responsibility at the line. Um, if there's a blitz, someone needs to be aware of that and break their route off and give him a hot option. It's not like they're out there without hot reads. It's just in a different way where someone else has that pre-snap responsibility to say, oh, this guy's blitzing. I got to break this off and be available. And I think um, – that makes a lot of sense to me as an offense that was coming out of the college ranks because that's a lot of responsibility to give one person. I mm -hmm. think that might be an adjustment that we we see from Matt Canada. If Kenny Pickett earns that level of trust, mm -hmm. will he go along with that? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, we're ways away from that right now, for sure. I agree. We are ways away from that. But I want to talk about other players who might get an expanded role and some of the, maybe some of those younger players on the roster. We'll talk about that here in a minute on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, your host here with Alan Saunders. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. Right now with Major League Baseball in full swing, there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets that you get if your bet first bet doesn't hit when you sign up for FanDuel and to sign up for that deal, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You'll sign up today and you can claim your no sweat first bet all in the app that's safe, secure and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, let's flip to Kenny Pickett's colleagues on the on, on the offense and who who gets to see an expanded role. And you and I talked a little bit more. One obvious answer that we have up on the screen here, if you're watching on YouTube, is Calvin Austin because they will get a role. Uh, and like that'll be he any role is an expanded role. role. <laughs> right. And I don't know if you remember, but like around maybe like week six, whatever was around the time when they had to declare if Calvin Austin was coming back or not. And people were just like, well, why won't they let him play? This is so stupid. And it's like, cause he's hurt. And, and that's, and that was, that was like a whole thing. And I'm, I'm like, why, like, why, why are we debating this? We think that the Steelers do not want a fast receiver that they just drafted. He's still not healthy, by the way. Like, yeah. still not 100%. People were flipping out in whatever, week eight last year because yeah. he wasn't playing. Meanwhile, he's, like, still hurt June. Um, absurd. And also, he's going to play this year, and he's going to get, like, five touches a game. And that's fine. I think it'll, it'll be a good role for him. But, mm-hmm. like... It's not going to be a big role. Uh, it will be an expanded role. Some other guys, I think, on offense that could do more, maybe than we've seen in the past. Um, I, I think I expect to see some year two growth from Connor Hayward. I, I think he really showed something down the stretch. Mm. If you think about where he started his season, I actually remember talking to him after that uh, opening week. He got one snap on offense in an <laughs> overtime game. Uh, one snap, and I was like, one. Like, how do you get one snap? And and then, uh, you know, that Browns game, he's scored of the key cog on sort of some of those third downs on that final drive of the last, you know, I think you saw him make a big progression from the beginning of his rookie year to the end of the year. I expect to see more out of him going forward. Um, Anthony McFarland, I think, is, you know, mm. he's a guy who was on the practice squad all year last year. Right now, I think he's pretty clearly on the 53 and, uh, and and given his special teams ability, we'll probably have a helmet on game days. And so he may have a role. But, there's, you know, the thing about this offense is the pieces are so young that it's like they, they don't have, like, guys coming up behind them because they're all they're all babies. It's a, it's a young, young group. And so there aren't a lot of candidates when we're talking about guys that are going to have expanded role. George Pickens. I mean, I think we could talk about that, too. Sure. Like, Frisman Jackson's quotes from minicamp I thought were, were pretty revealing as to how – much further they think that George Pickens can go from where he was last year, which was already pretty impressive for a second round pick in a rookie year. I agree. I mean, he was, he was definitely impressive. And that's, and that's part of what the, the why the reason I'm asking this question across the board on offense, because of that, I saw a report about how Nick Chubb is expected to have a much different kind of role in the Browns game, including a receipt, the receiving game and how they're going to use him with Deshaun Watson. Could we expect to see something similar like that for Najee Harris? Uh, whereas Najee's getting has gotten all the touches before. Not that he's going to get more touches than he did his, his rookie year, but could we see him line up in more diverse areas? Uh, you know, line up and be used as, as as an actual receiving back a little bit more because that was a strength that you know we were talking about as as a potential for him when he was coming out of Alabama. I just think in general we're going to see a lot more of that kind of thing from this offense in terms of moving guys around. I think so much of what we saw last year was the fear of the offensive line, not being able to keep Kenny clean. And so Mm. I think there was a lot of basic that came out of that. where like a lot of Pat Fryer moves with his hand on the ground next to a tackle, a lot of Najee Harris right next to Kenny Pickett or right behind Kenny Pickett so that they could feel safe if there was a big blitz, mm. I think I think 
with the improvement to the offensive line, I think we'll be able to see a little bit more creativity about where guys line up on offense, a little bit more empty, a little bit more splitting guys out wide. You know, maybe it's it's not necessarily a five receiver package, but you might see Najee Harris, Darnell Washington, and 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 uh, you know George Pickens all over there out on on the flank together. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to in their sort of traditional uh, places to line up. I think that's something that has been a part of Matt Canada's offenses in the past that we did not see last year. I remember, you know, the way he lined guys up at Pitt, there would always be wide receivers in the backfield, wide receivers like looking like a tight yeah. end, yeah. Uh, you know, tackle eligibles, uh, you know, fullbacks split out wide, you know, and I, we didn't see hardly any of that stuff. It, we, we saw it in some running situations. But we saw very little of that stuff to this point in passing situations. And I think most of that is just a lack of faith of the offensive line to keep things clean if they don't have help sort of readily available to them. So, yeah, I I think there's definitely an opportunity to do some more of that. I I agree with you there. I also think you're talking about, you talked a little bit about Pat Frymuth there, you know, does his role as a receiving tight end expand more because they got Darnell Washington. They kept Zach Gentry. They still have Connor Hayward. They have three tight ends that I'm pretty sure they feel big. They can feel comfortable with like saying, Hey, your job on this play, block that guy. Just don't let, don't let, don't let him go. Don't worry about running around unless it's like a scramble drill and Kenny needs your help. But your main job is to help. Kenny Pickett stay clean or, you know, do this. And Pat Frymuth, you're going to be on the huddle and teams are going to say, oh, they're coming out in 12, 12 personnel, so maybe we come out a little heavier. But all of a sudden, Pat Frymuth is lining up on the outside while Deontay Johnson's in the slot and everyone's like, what the heck is going on? I, I think there's not a guarantee this is going to happen because, again, Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator. But that's where Matt Canada, if he wants to get extra creative, it's finding expanded roles for some of the players that I think might be, get take, be taken for granted here when we think about what could be different about this team because they've been important to this team the last two, three seasons. And that's, I think that Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth, they came in the same time, first and second round picks of the 2021 draft. Uh, that I think that's a huge part of what we're dealing with here. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of meat on the bone there in terms of not just things that are possible to do, but like that sort of alignment, like, okay, when we talked about Kenny, like, we were talking about some things that we have not seen from Matt Canada, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the idea of that happening, like, it, it, there's a lot of factors that would have to happen, I think, to get us there. But with this, it's stuff that Canada has done in the past but just didn't do last year. And so I think that's really a sign that, like, oh, if they just get a little bit more pass protection, get a little bit more comfortable with uh, guys like Darnell Washington involved, you know, I, I think I think that really opens up the playbook do a lot more different things in the passing game. You know, th- it was really a very basic passing offense last year. It obviously limited all of the guys in it. And so I think there's definitely a lot more meat on the bone there. If you go back and look at some of the Matt Canada stuff from NC State or from Pitt, like you will see the things that we're talking about in this offense. It is not mm-hmm. like, look, go look at how we use Jalen Samuels at NC State, for example. Like, that's a really good one. Whereas yeah. a guy who literally lined up at five or six different positions on the offense, a tailback, a fullback, an H-back, a tight end, all the way out of wide receiver, a slot guy. Like, you could see guys like Najee Harris and Calvin Austin and Pat Fryermuth have that ability to put them really wherever you want to um, I think it's mostly just been about the trust in the rest of the offense to be able to deal with that. It's been holding them back. 
I hear, I hear you. That's a big thing there. I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball, though, too, and who else gets an exp- who gets an expanded role there, and why it's two guys that are also in their second year with the Steelers, but in different ways. Who could be a big key there? We'll talk about that here more on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Chris Carter with Alan Saunders. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, let's flip to the defense. We talked a lot of offense with expanded roles and what we expect to see out of them, and naturally so. Kenny Pickett's a second-year quarterback. They found their identity. Najee Harris even talked about that during uh, minicamp, saying that, hey, uh, you know, we we know who we are now. But the defense kind of knows who they who they, who they are now there's new players who have to figure out their their way in the defense and you know Patrick Peterson and guys like that uh you know Landon Roberts Cole Holcomb they're all going to be figuring out how they fit into the defense Keanu Neal as well but guys who have been here guys who have been in Pittsburgh who we've seen who could take a biggest step you and I talked about uh, off the air before the show DeMarvin Leal and DeMonte KZ now KZ bit different here because he's a veteran. He's coming from another team or he, he, he was on the team last year, was hurt for half the season, then appeared in the middle part of the season. And I think was a very important part to the improvement of the defense as the year went on with his ball skills, his ability to play off ball or, or, or a deeper safety role to let Minka Fitzpatrick roll around a bit. Um, and, you know, his abilities to make plays on the football where Terrell Evans didn't have that. And his veteran experience became an asset. DeMarvin Leal also missed a good chunk of the season. But as a rookie, he was kind of figuring out his own on the defensive line. And he became I think he became a good a good problem for the Steelers to give to give offensive lines because of his where he could line up inside, outside linebacker. even talked about it. he's like, I never even did that at Texas A&M. And he was just like, he, he, I think his his role last last year was kind of figuring out where he fit best for the Steelers. And now it's going to be about, I, I think, a, a similar thing here as a guy coming off the bench. KZ's starting here, but Saunders, who do you think between those two or anyone else on the Steelers' defense has the biggest in- increase of a role in the Steelers' success on defense uh, from, from last year? I really like DeMarvin Lee Allen. I think he's going to be important, and, and we can talk about him more. But I think, to me, the biggest factor here and the biggest change is DeMonte KZ mm. um, taking on the bulk of that strong safety role. And it really goes back to, like, to me, go back to the decision to draft Terrell Edmonds and why that decision kind of ended up as a failure, despite, I think, people around Pittsburgh generally sort of underrating his play. Like, I don't think Terrell Edmonds was a bad safety. I think he ended up being a bad pick because Terrell Edmonds was just not capable of doing all of the different things that the Steelers were asking out of that position. He just did not have the coverage skills um, to do the things that they needed that, that person to do. Uh, that doesn't mean that he was bad at what he was, you know, what he could do, um, but he was a box safety in a pass happy league, mm-hmm. and he was out of place a lot of times. And I think a lot of the fans' frustration to Terrell Edmonds uh, sort of came from seeing thirty four like flailing and unable to keep up with a guy that he probably should have never been asked to cover in the first place. And so, what they've done with this strong safety role is sort of acknowledge that they do not have someone that can do everything that they want from a strong safety. And now there are two guys that are going to fill that role. One is, you know, much more heavily slanted towards coverage. The other much more heavily slanted towards 
run stopping in, in KZ and Neal. But the thing about Demonte KZ is not only is he a really good safety and a really good cover safety in his own right and an elite ball hawk, if you look at his career numbers, even last year he had two picks in nine games, you'll take that rate any day for a guy that didn't even play that much, right? right. Um, but it's not just about him. It's about what it allows them to do with Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, if we think back to those sort of, we talked about Troy Polamalu earlier and that freedom to freelance and do different things. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to do that when Minka's partner at safety wasn't capable of doing all the same things that Minka could, right? But now from a coverage standpoint, KZ is nearly Minka Fitzpatrick's equal in terms of his just sort of turn and run coverage ability. And so putting the two of them together, I think gives the Steelers so many more things they can do with Minka. They want to blitz him. They want to use him as a robber. They want to buzz him down into the flat. They want to put him up and bump and run on a slot guy. Um, they can do so many more different things with Minka Fitzpatrick because of having DeMonte KZ back there that can perform all of those coverage roles. It's almost like they're sort of flipping the safety roles when they do that, where you know Minka is actually going to kind of become what we would have called a strong safety before, yeah. and KZ is going to be the freer safety, the, the more coverage-based guy. And I think that just fits – Make, a, make his skill set. It allows him to make a much bigger impact on the defense. And so I like the Marvin Leal. We can talk about him. We can talk about Mark Robinson. But for me, this is a huge deal for fixing what has been a big problem with the Steelers' defense for quite some time. And uh, the idea of Minka Fitzpatrick's play over the last few years suddenly freed up with even more playmaking ability, uh, that's sort of tantalizing to think about. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's the the freedom that he offers Minka Fitzpatrick to move about because like you're right. Minka Fitzpatrick often just had to be the guy in the middle part of it. Just play robber, take away the middle part of the field. And it worked. I mean, he still is up there in the most interceptions in the over the past like four years in the NFL. He's playing done 12 him. yards off the ball. Like right. Uh, yeah. That's imp that, that's impressive for what what he's been what able to do. Um, but now you're right. Now KZ gives you the flexibility of he he can move that. And I also think on top of just allowing to be in more places, it allows Terrell Austin more opportunities to draw up conf uh, con confusion points for quarterbacks. Because when you can disguise more, because more guys are versatile, that's the key to today's NFL. That's a that's the, I think that's the key to you know, being a great defensive coordinator is when you have those pieces finding ways to disguise them more. And if you're sitting there before a game and you're studying and you're like sitting there like, okay, well, we're not too scared of Terrell Edmonds playing the single deep coverage safety here. So if he does drop back there, we're just going right at him. If Minkum drops back there, we'll 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 figure we we adjust the play and we go off of that. But if you sit there and you say, you know what, both of these guys are a problem. If they drop back in the deep part, middle part of the field, we have to we have to be be aware of what each of them is going to do and what they might do underneath. And and I think that that extra pack of strengths that you add to your defense, it brings more there. And also, you know, talking about Keanu Neal, I, I think he kind of fills a little bit of the, of the Terrell Edmonds, a bit shorter. And, and I think that, you know, it might not be the same as far as covering tight ends for uh, the Terrell Edmonds was able to help with the Steelers. But I, I think that he's going to be, be an asset that it also helps expand make of his Patrick's role. But let's talk about DeMarvin Leal a little bit here because you, you brought him up and I, I like him too. I said going into last training camp, I thought he was going to be one of the biggest problems that the, that, 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 that the Steelers had on the defensive line. He got hurt early on and that didn't allow him to kind of have the full season impact. But we saw once he was in there and he was starting to get his feet under him that he was figuring things out. 
And I just really think that with the defensive lineup that they have right now, of you think of a front four because they kind of just use a front four. I know three four is kind of the the thing that they're that they that they do on a, at a base set, but bases nowadays is is, is a shotgun versus nickel. But your front four is uh, Hayward, Ogunjobi, Watt, Highsmith, and if you can it can bring out Demarvin Leal and Keanu Benton as part of that second group of four, but and and Leal maybe even being one of the edge options next to Marcus Golden while you throw in maybe a Braden Fajoko or an Armin Watts or a Montrevious Adams or whoever in the middle along with Keanu Benton. I think you give yourself a ton of flexibility and options to confuse offensive lines. That's another thing is that if defensive if defensive linemen are able to move around more, it forces the offensive line to communicate and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we 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 trade, we practice for this guy to be here, not that guy to be here. And we have to we have to, you know, and it gives you kind of a different look as far as preparations and what I have to study as an offensive lineman versus, you know, one player versus maybe three or four different players that you have to get ready for. Yeah. And you know, I think the other thing that's very, you know, it's not just the fact that you're bringing in a second guy or, you know, a guy off the bench you know, can, who can fill a role. It's that Kim Hayward is 34 years old. And if you're talking about maximizing what you're getting out of a player that age and potentially extending his career, um, I think the ability to have a guy that can spell him is going to be key. You know, he played – uh, 955 snaps in 2021. In 2022, he was healthy, played and started all 17 games. He only played 801. Okay. And this is without TJ Watt available to this defense. Mm-hmm. So, like, we need to adjust our expectations for what a 34 year old is capable of. And that is going to include needing somebody that can be not just a space taker. And I think a lot of those other guys you mentioned can go takes like they all uh, some of them have nfl experience the ones that don't certainly have talent but i think all the other guys you mentioned of those potential interior guys benton and watson fahoko and uh, isaiah loudermilk and and uh, amani adams and to me those guys are space takers Uh, i think demarvin leal has a different gear a different uh level of athleticism that makes him more of a problem for offenses and he is not just another guy that's in there he is somebody that teams have to worry about and if you can put him on the same side as a tj watt or as an alex highsmith or you you know you bump him out and you bring in a larry or a cam on that same side whether he's spelling the interior guys or the exterior guys i just think he makes for a much more dangerous defense and so that's important too. I don't think it's as important as what KZ is going to do for the secondary, but it's big. And I think we would be remiss if we got to this point without talking about the fact that, Hey, TJ Watts going to have a bigger role this year. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Right. I mean, uh, that's kind of an important guy. And one of the things we talked about on the final word on channel 11 on Sunday is the Steelers being underrated. And it's like, yeah, I just don't see how you can see a team that was missing its best player and had a rookie quarterback and, and now they've fixed their offensive line and they're going to get TJ back. And, the, you know, Kenny's going to be a full-time starter from day one. And somehow Vegas thinks they're going to be worse. Like, I, you can't sell me on that. No. I'm never going to believe it. I, It's just not going to happen. And, uh, and you know, that number 90, he's okay. 
Yeah, he just yeah he's all right. You know, he brings a little bit to the game. But I mean, again, that's what was the whole point of my Monday show. We came we came out of that. You know, I talked about our FanDuel odds here, and I just think it's an easy bet to say eight and a half is the over under of wins this year. I will take the over easily. And, and a few fans even brought it up in the YouTube comment section of that episode. They're like, Chris, I've been betting on that for five years. I never miss with the Steelers projections. It's just like Vegas puts them low. We just go above that, and and, and they're gonna hit. They're gonna hit that there. And granted, this, that doesn't make that doesn't make uh meaning the Steelers are perfect or that they've you know done everything that they want to. They, they you know, there's there's certain things that they we wish they could have done the last few seasons. But I think it's a a representation of how they've been above the line when it comes to what people expect of them from the roster that they've had over the past few years. And if they, if they do see these improvements, if these roles do expand, like Kenny Pickett getting more of the offense, mm-hmm. more of these guys on offense, getting chances to kind of expand what they do, the defense, giving, giving their best players more flexibility to be the best players without having to worry about the you know different spots on the roster. All those things add to a better Steelers team that I think is a bigger threat all, all season long. And even in the playoffs where I think that they will be, uh, at the end of the season. He's Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Locked on Steelers podcast. Alan, thanks so much for joining us as always. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. At a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter, at PGH Steelers Now is the site, Twitter, SteelersNow.com. Check it out. All the work from me, from Nick, from the whole team there at SteelersNow.com. We're cruising through our all 90 series. We're talking about every player on the roster this offseason. So you got a full story on James Pierre, and you got a full story on, uh, you know, Alan Robinson, you had a full story on some guy you never heard of before. So go check it out uh, because you will, if you read all 90 of those by the time the Steelers get ready uh, to take the field at St. Vincent College training camp, you are going to be super well. And you'll be telling all your friends about, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Darius Hagens, man. He's a running back from an HBCU. And, uh, you know, that, that that's, uh, that's how you sound smart with your friends. Read SteelersNow.com. Absolutely. Get all the knowledge there at SteelersNow.com. Thanks again, Alan, for joining us here in the Locked on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette by going to post-gazette.com, where I cover all things pit football, basketball, and pit athletics. You can also find me on the Locked on Steelers podcast Monday through Friday right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Uh, and also, if you want to help out, we are we are still raising money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Uh, just if you, if you use the link or the QR code that's currently on your screen or in the description, of this podcast you can donate to the campaign that we we, that we have going right now and if you donate at least ten dollars or more when you call 412-223-6644 and leave a question for us to be answered be sure to leave your name where you're from and and keep your question under a minute we will shoot you to the front of the line your question will at least get answered within the week probably get answered right away uh if, if we if we can get it on the show thanks again to all those who so far who have donated i'm chris carter he's alan saunders thanks again everybody back wednesday with more on your pittsburgh steelers right here on the locked on steelers podcast